0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, it says this, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law... "...were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. In other words, they come from everywhere. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus." who speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins but God alone. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Amen. The title of my message today is this, Paralysis Analysis paralysis analysis. Many of you have heard this story before. I'm sure at Sunday school or you've heard me preach on it before. I've preached on this story. But I kind of want to come today a little bit from a different angle to maybe what I've spoken on before. And uh, I want to just talk about this, this scene, this story about the paralyzed man. Because I believe that like us in our lives, our situations, there can be more things Paralyzed than we think. Um, a lot of attention is focused on the fact that this man has a big problem. And I'm so thankful that four men helped him out. Because it only takes one to drop the the mat and say, I'm going home, I'm giving up on this. But all four of them helped out to lower that man through the roof. And as we know, the end of the story that he gets miraculously healed and the power of God, which it tells us in this story, is there to heal in Jesus. That he walks out of that house completely free, but I believe that there are more people in this story that are susceptible to being paralysed in other situations, and it's not just the man who needed healing. Um, it's interesting that in this in this scene, this setting, that it says that it was absolutely packed and. If you read some of the other Gospels, you'll find that this story lands just as Jesus has left healing the demoniac. So he's just left, crossed over the lake. He's just healed the demoniac and the, the demons leave and go into the pigs. And it says that the people who saw this, they wanted Jesus out. They tried to get rid of him. You know, he did an amazing miracle. And then they tried to say, we don't want you. So he has to get in the boat and he leaves. He arrives here. And now he's in a house. And this house is absolutely packed. Come on, don't we want our church to be like that so that people can't get in? That it forces and pushes us to, to the limits of what God wants to do next. People are so hungry for the Lord. We you here last week when, when Eric spoke about the revival in 95 in, in Brownsville, when people queued up for the church. And we want that for here. We want people, we want it to push us to another level. Come on, we don't want to just be complacent and join just a few. We want to see what God wants to do with many souls in this city. Amen. That packs of people were, were crowding round to the point where you've got some who've got good seats, you've got some who have stood maybe outside, they couldn't even get in. And what I find amazing about this is that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are all there. It says that they were sat, so it sounds like they got front row seats. More than likely they did. So the Pharisees, the teachers of the law are there, it's, they come from all these different places. And the knowledge was there, the head knowledge, the religious knowledge was there. They were sat in a good seat. How many of you know if you buy a good seat in a theatre, it's it's worth it, isn't it? If you can see. Have you ever been on those theatre booking sites when you try to book a seat and you can look and see the visibility, what they call the visibility splays. You can see if I buy a ticket that's kind of a discount ticket, I might not be able to see because of a post in the room, but I still get in the same place. I believe these these guys had a good seat. They were so close to Jesus, and, and, and I want to just talk to you today because I believe that some of us can, and we don't think we are sometimes, but some of us in this season we're in right now, we can have a Pharisaical heart. We can have a place where we're so uh, religious that we miss what Jesus is doing. You can have such a good seat. But yet miss what he's doing. You can even see Jesus. But you miss what he's doing. You can observe his power. But you miss the person. I, I don't know about you. But sometimes I can be a little bit like this. Because I can. we can have that religious mindset. And miss what Jesus is actually doing or wants to do. I don't know where you sat today, but listen to me. It's more important, I've put it here, that our seat in private with Jesus is more precious than our seat in public for Jesus. Come on, what I'm saying to you is this is, it's more important that you sit in intimacy with him outside of Sunday than it is that when you come in here and you have a good seat. Where are you sat from Monday to Saturday? Where is your position with the Lord? Where do you sit? Because so many of us, we, we like to sit on the front. We like to sit in a good place. But the question is, where are you sitting with the Lord? Uh, it's interesting that they get these good positions, but yet in this story, Jesus challenges them. It's a bit dangerous sitting on the front row, isn't it? (laughs) He challenges them. You get a good seat. You get close to Jesus. The closer you get, he's going to challenge you. The, The closer you sit to Jesus, he's going to challenge the sin in your life. He's going to challenge the things that you're doing. So some of you right now, you're saying, I don't want to sit. So, Some of you will stand outside. You're there in the crowd, but the reason why you won't sit close to him is because you know it will reveal things that you're doing that you know is not right. But they, what they did is they came with their religiosity, they came with their knowledge, and they thought that that would hold up against Jesus. But listen to me, religion does not hold up against Jesus. It doesn't hold. And some of us right now, we're in a place where we can be paralyzed in our faith. Paralyzed in our hearts. Paralyzed in our character. Paralyzed by our situations. We're paralyzed even in our praise. We can't praise the Lord. You come in here and you're just like on, on kind of default mode of just survival. And you can't really praise the Lord. Today we, we sung that song, all the earth will shout your praise. Come on. Oh, all the earth will shout your praise. Some of you are shouting that and saying, Lord, I don't know if I believe. Our passion can be paralyzed. Our praise can be paralyzed. Our faith can be paralyzed. And our hearts can be stone cold paralyzed. But the Lord, if he can heal a man on a mat, if he can touch a man on a mat, he can raise you from your paralysis. He can raise you from that place where you don't have passion anymore. He can raise you from that place where your heart is stone cold. You said, oh, I don't know if Christianity for me anymore. Maybe this is just something that I've always been in because my family brought me into it. Listen, do you know what you need today? The fire of God. The fire of God. Because some of you right now, the reason why you're here is not because you're lame. It's because you're paralyzed in your passion, your faith, and you've lost your fire. You've lost your fire. We need an encounter with the Holy Ghost. Amen. What becomes paralyzed? I want to look at just a few things in this story. What becomes paralyzed when we lose our fire? It's the most important thing. Do you know what? The physical healing in this story is amazing. But do you know what? God is always more interested in your heart than he is your legs. What does he... Listen, the story is he gets lowered through the roof. The first thing he talks about is sin. These guys have just gone through all these motions, wrecked to roof lowered the man, you'd think Jesus would be like, come on, guys, that is just amazing faith. Watch this, everyone, in the name of Jesus. Well, he wouldn't say that because he is Jesus. But if we were, and the guy would have got up. But the first thing he deals with, he says, he saw the faith. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. That's That's what rocked up the whole religious community on the front row. They're like, we got good tickets here. What's going on? You're talking, you're making out that you can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. Who is this fellow who blasphemes? <laughs> He's not a fellow. He's the son of God. You see, when you're religious, you lose sight of who Jesus actually is. Oh, come on. We we want the Jews to begin to see who he is today. That he is the Messiah. That he is coming again soon. Hallelujah. And a reward is in his hand for each and every one of us. what becomes paralyzed when we lose our fire. Number one, the paralysis of our persistence in God. The paralysis of our persistence. Some of you right now, you're going through situations and dealing with stuff in your life. And what happens is you feel like giving up because your persistence is paralyzed. Bible talks a lot about persistence. Pressing through. Paul talks about pressing on toward the goal. And, and when we press on, pressing on means you've got to persist. So the devil's going to try and put some roadblocks in to get you to stop and go another way. But I want to encourage you, your persistence, when, it, when it's free and we keep on pressing on, we get to the goal. The devil wants to stop your persistence. Some of you said, oh, the, 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 there's no other way that I can do this. And I want to just look at this. In Luke 5, 19, it says this. When they, listen, this is the four men who are carrying this man. They arrive at the meeting. They're like, we didn't book on Eventbrite. They only said it was a fiver. <laughs> Ten pound if you want to be on the front row. We, it was a five pounds, but we missed out. Look at the crowds. And they have this problem that they're carrying. I bet, I bet that guy was like, I'm so glad i got four people helping me out here. And so they're carrying him up and they, they can't get through. And it says this, verse 19. When they could not find a way. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they turned around, got the mat went home and watched Netflix and said, we'll try again tomorrow. No, when they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, because they couldn't get through. And I'm just amazed by this because a little side note is sometimes the congregation can actually deter people from Jesus. You'd think this congregation would be like, hang on, wow, we got someone with faith here. Everyone, make a way, part the sea, let them through. Look at the faith on these people. You'd think that they would be so loving that they'd make a way to Jesus. Oh, this is going to be an amazing meeting. Imagine when this man gets raised. It's interesting that they couldn't get through the crowd. Why? Because only the people have to make a way. But sometimes people are so focused on their selfish attitude in church that people miss Jesus. I want this church to be a church that parts the way and says, if the helpless come in, there's a way to Jesus. If the broken come in, there's a way to Jesus. That someone doesn't put a review on Google and say, I tried to get in there, but they didn't let me in. I tried to get in there, but when I went and asked for a coffee, they didn't give me one. Steve's on today, so you'll get one. It's interesting what people write on Google Review. Some people are so focused on what reviews say about a place. I've read them before. I once read the negative, I was once worship leading at some point, negative comment. Oh, it was dreadful noise from there today. It's the last time I worship led. But people write these reviews. Listen to me. I am not interested in whether it's a good review or a bad review from people. Because the church here. I don't need someone to tell me that the Holy Spirit's here. And that we felt the Holy Spirit. So that helps me to understand, yes, God is moving. I know God's moving. I don't need a review to tell me that. What I'm interested in is this. What does God review our hearts? How? Not Google. Not how many stars we have. Because God is here. There's no question over that. There's no question of His power. He was in that room. Jesus was there. There was power was there. There's no question. I don't need someone to say, Oh, I came in and I sensed God in your, God is here. We don't need to know. We know He's here. There's no question over that. The question is more about where is your heart? Is your heart paralyzed? Before God, when they could not find a way, because of the crowd, what do they do? They went up onto the roof. Wow. They went up onto the roof. I don't know about you, but if I've just seen a crowd and they didn't let me in, this sounds like a pretty dodgy option, doesn't it? It sounds like an option that to, to, to even attempt and think about climbing onto the roof when they didn't let you in through the crowd. You're going to get problems. People are going to be hurling insults at you. Surely they said halfway through them, digging through the roof. Come on, guys, we'll let you through if you want. But they didn't. It's amazing what people do, isn't it, sometimes? And they let them dig through. And I want to just say to you, if those, if those guys would have never persisted, and looked at that roof, and gone for that option, because listen to me, faith never lies in the place of logic, faith never, never lies in the place of logic, and so you, you can't look for logic, and the, the, the sad thing would have been, but I'm glad they did, the sad thing would have been if they would have seen the roof, but looked and said, that's too impossible, So we're going to turn around and go home. And some of you right now, what's happening is your situations in your lives, paralysis is setting on your faith to believe and persist and think that God could provide any other way because you tried everything. And I want to just encourage you today that everything you've tried, no matter what you've done, there's always a way. Come on, there's always a way. There's, that's a word for someone today. You have been trying. You feel like turning around and giving up. But listen, there is a roof for you. There's a roof. There is a place. You see, what's interesting is this. I, I, I look at these stories and imagine what was going on. But if they didn't get through and they have an option to go on the roof, I believe that they had a lot of offense From the people in that crowd. If they would not let them through. I don't know about you today. But some of you right now. You're in a situation where the church. People have upset you in church. People have upset you. And so you tried to persist. For what you want to do in the Lord. And people upset you. And when they upset you. You have a choice to make right now. You have a choice to make. Do I leave this church? And take my problem elsewhere and find Jesus somewhere else. Or do I persist and believe because my faith is not in the congregation. It's in the cornerstone who's right in the middle of that room in there. And if I can just get to him, it doesn't matter what people said to me. It doesn't matter what people did to me. All I've got to do is see Jesus. And as a pastor, I know this over the years I've been serving and leading. Some people, they leave with their stretcher and walk off because people hurt them. That's how you get paralysis in your persistence because persistence means pressing through. Because whatever anyone does or says to me in this church, when people have upset me, and by the way, people upset me. But what I have to do is this, say, God, I'm not going to let people stop what you're doing in me. (laughs) So I'm carrying my stretcher and I'm going to keep going because I'm going to take what I believe you're going to do. Because you are my focus, not the people. It's all about you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The crowd saw a potential problem. The crowd. So a potential problem rather than a problem with potential. You see, when we see people come and we see these people arrive here and there's difficulty, we've got to see every problem as a potential for God to turn it around. Come on. Or some of us can be like, oh, no, that's too big for Jesus. We don't, oh, we don't want your type here. It's, it's just not that kind of church. Come on. We've got to be people who are loving Welcoming. But let me say there are people here today. I really believe the Lord is speaking. Some of you have had offense at people. People have you've 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 been hurt by what people have said in the church, in the crowd. And so now you you have to make a decision. How do I navigate? And do you know the normal thing what I hear a lot of times people say when someone gets hurt, they say, God is moving us on. God is just Moving me on. I feel that season of moving. I Bet you do. If I felt the season of moving, you'd never see me. Now I understand, I get it, people move on sometimes. They do, and that's right. God does do that. But not all the time. Not all the time. When you want to move on, you've got to pray about it you got to ask the Lord, what is it you want me to do? Because listen to me. No matter what people have done or said to you, you don't just move because of what people did to you. You press on. You press on. Because it's not about the people. It's about Jesus. Now you can do two things. You can either take it to heart. Or you can take it to Jesus. You can take it to heart or you can continue taking it to the Lord. And they climbed up on the roof and now they've got a different view because all the crowd are below. They start to dig. These people were probably shouting up saying, will you stop it on that roof? We're trying to listen. But they carried on digging. But above all that, do you know what they did? They rose above the insults. They rose above the offense. They rose above. And some of you have got to do that today. Where you're paralyzed in your persistence to carry on. You've got to rise above. You've got to climb the roof. You've got to get above. And say, God, I'm not going to allow the people to stop me moving forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Wow. Come on. The only way you're going to overlook something is to get above it. So you've got to get on the roof. You've got to get above and say, the crowd tried to stop me, but I ain't leaving. I'm climbing. I'm getting above to overlook this because that's where God's glory is. How many of you know God's glory came when they lowered that man through the roof? They chose not to be paralyzed by offense. Do you know what happened? Patience drove their persistence. It's a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Long suffering. We all know what that feels like sometimes. Patience, long suffering. In other words, holding your temper. <laughs> That's what I mean holding your temper. They were there pushing through. Do you know sometimes you're going to be in church and you're going to be pushing through to see what God's going to do and you're going to have people hurting you, upsetting you. But listen, the church is not perfect. So we press on through. Long-suffering, patience. Because if the fruit of the Spirit is in you, in Galatians 5, patience and forbearance and and long-suffering, we press through. If the fruit of the Spirit's in us, then we'll get to the goal. The question is, is the fruit of Spirit operating in your life? Hallelujah. You see, some of us want to walk in the Spirit, but we don't want to have the fruits of the Spirit. Some of us think walking in the Spirit is just like, oh, I'm on fire for Jesus. Look at me. Look at me. I see all the time, people are, oh, I'm on fire, I'm on fire, I'm on fire, but the that I look at their character. If the fruit of the Spirit is not in operation, how can you be on fire? How can you be, on, how can you be in Galatians 5 walking in the Spirit if the fruit of the Spirit is not in operation? It just That does not line up to me. So your words telling me you're on fire does not line up with your character. I'm more interested in the character. If the character is the fruit of the Spirit, then you're going to be walking in the Spirit. Why? Because you're led by the Spirit. Patience gives you persistence to walk through the crowd of insults and people who hurt you and allow you to get on the roof and carry on going rather than going home. That is when people walk by the Spirit. Not just because they healed someone. Not just because they saw the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Next thing, Jesus' attention, he sees this, they they now dig through the roof, you can imagine the dust falls, listen, Jesus' attention is always on our desperation, his attention's on your desperation, so listen to me, you're going to get, God is going to give you, if you keep persisting, he's going to give you a new option, he's going to say, have you thought about the roof, have you thought about doing this, you're like, this is just, just not logical, Lord. But when we persist and we go through, it says that Jesus saw their faith. And I want to just encourage you today that when you start to do things that defy logic, it attracts the attention of Jesus Christ. He, it attracts them so much so that whether you bought a ticket or not and you're on the front row, he's attracted more to faith than where you sat. He's attracted more, not to whether you paid for a ticket, but he's attracted more to the fact you were willing to burst the roof open. That's why, because some of us are saying, I've been a Christian for years, why isn't God breaking through for me right now? It's because you've entered into this religious spirit where you're paralyzed into thinking you deserve the breakthrough, rather than actually looking to Jesus and saying, actually, I'm humble before you and realize I'm nothing without you. Some of you have you've missed that there is another way, there's another option, persistence. The other day I was in, in, in my lounge downstairs and I had the heating on. And all of a sudden the house I get, I thought this, this house ain't heating up that well. And I went upstairs and realized that the loft hatch had broken and swung down, so all the heat was going up. I thought it's costing me a lot of money to heat this house, but it's not getting any warmer. And I went upstairs and saw the loft hatch down. So I went up and realized it needed fixings. The screws, it was about to drop off. So I got the ladder out. The boys weren't there. They, they were at school. And I get the ladder. And I climb up. And I looked at what I needed to fix. And then as I started to touch it, it broke even more. And it was, now it was hanging. So I got one hand on the, lift, on the loft hatch, on the ladder. It's quite a heavy piece of wood. And I'm there with a screwdriver in my hand, and then I drop the screw. How many of you know at this point, all my options were out? Because if I let go of the lift, the loft hatch, it, would have, it was hanging on one inch on one screw. So if I had to let go of that, that drops. Then I wouldn't be able to hold it up. So I wanted to keep in position to put the screw back in on the right. So I had an option. So I climb off the ladder and I'm holding the loft hatch up, looking at the screw on the floor. So close, but yet so far. (laughs) So easy, but so hard. And I thought there's no option. Logically, there's no option. And then all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. He said, take your sock off and use your foot to pick the screw up. You'd have loved to have seen this, wouldn't you? I thought, what a great idea. Revelation, wisdom. So I took my sock off. I'm holding the screw and I picked it up. It's amazing what you can do with your feet. I got the screw. I lifted it up. Got the screw and I climbed up and I fixed it. Come on. Come on. I could have given up and said, Lord, there's no there's no other way. Just walked off and let the thing drop. But persistence is when you believe that if you stand there just for a moment and say, God, there is another way, isn't there? And then he gives you the revelation. And then you realize that there is something more. There's always a roof. Hallelujah. Come on, some of your situations right now, you're saying there's no way we can get through this. There's no way. It's it's just not possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to take your sock off. Oh, but I don't like to do that because I don't do that. You got to take your sock off. You got to use what God's given you. Oh, but I only use my hands to do that. I don't I don't do that. No, you got to start to to believe and get humble before the Lord. It's amazing. I'm going to use my feet more often. I ate my breakfast with my feet this morning. <laughs> yeah, listen, Jesus, it catches Jesus' attention. It catches Jesus' attention. A lot's been happening in our house this week. The lift, the loft lift, the loft hatch broke. Then the other day, I was in the kitchen doing some jobs. The boys were upstairs, and Jacob was in the shower. And all of a sudden, I'm in the kitchen, and water starts to drip through the ceiling. How many of you know when water drips to the ceiling? You want to know where that's coming from. And so straight away, I'm trying to think where the house is situated. Jacob's in the shower. It must be Jacob. So I dropped everything and I ran to where the water was. I said, Jacob, what are you doing? He said, oh, I think it's me. I was just letting the water drip over me. And it's gone over the side of the bath, onto the floor, through, into the kitchen to me. And I believe it's a bit like, it reminded me a bit like Jesus when this happened. Because as soon as the water started to drip through the ceiling, all my attention lost off everything else I was doing to find out the source. Where is this coming from? Because there's somewhere water's leaking. Where is this dust coming from? What's that up there? When Jesus sees that, he responds to it. And as a father, I ran up and and I said, what was happening? And realized the water was going through. It's him who caused it, not me. Jesus has fixed on the attention of when we cry out to him. Do you know the Bible says this in Psalm 56 verse 8? That he puts the tears in a bottle. Your tears. I got a pan out and I was catching that water in the kitchen. Where's this coming from? Some of you, you've been at the roof digging and your tears are dripping through. Your tears are dropping through. You're saying, God, this, I can't even dig. I can't even dig. And the tears drop through. The dust drops through. But listen, Jesus doesn't look at the people on the front in the seats. He says, oh, who's that? Who's that who cries out to me? And he'll put your tears not in a pan, in a bottle. And he knows every tear you've cried of persistence. Some of you think right now, I'm paralyzed, I can't do anything. But listen, your tears are enough for him. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 11, verse 5 to 8, he talks about the persistent friend at midnight. It says this. Jesus said to him, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, don't trouble me. The door's shut. And my children are now in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's a friend. Yet because of his persistence. There it is. It's a key. Because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. What does that tell you? If you give up on God and you give up on the persistence, you're going to lose out because your persistence is the key. First Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Come on. Pray without ceasing. Some of you right now, You said, I can't pray anymore. All I got is tears. Listen, let your tears be caught in his bottle. Because do you know what? A tear is enough. A tear sometimes speaks more than a word. (laughs) Did you know that? Some of you right now are saying, I ain't got the strength to pray anymore. Listen to me. Your tears are enough. Cry before the Lord. You'll catch your tears. And it means something to him. Number two, the other thing that we can have is our paralysis of our perception of God. Not the way we see God, the way in our times when the testing times, this is when the enemy comes and tries to paralyze our perception of the way we see him. We once believed him, but now we believe differently because God would have acted in this way. God may have done it in another way that I want him to do. And these four men lower. They have a great perception because they lower this man into this room. Their perception of God is, we know if we get to Jesus, this is going to get solved. But it's interesting. Those Pharisees on the front row had lost their sight. You can you can have a great view, but lose your perception. Did you know that? You, you can be in this church, see amazing miracles take place, see people touched by the Lord. You can have a great view but actually have lost your perception of who God is. It's easy to sit there and watch and observe. But the reality is, is that we need our perceptions to be renewed so we're not paralyzing our thinking. Luke chapter 5, verse 21, it says, The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, listen to this, began thinking to themselves. It's interesting, isn't it? A little thought, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. You only have to start with a little bit of a thought. And let me tell you, you're on, a, you're on a slippery slope. Because that thought will permeate your life. It says they began thinking to themselves. It didn't say that they put a big banner up saying, Jesus, we don't believe you are the son of God. They kept it to themselves. I've got something to say to you today. There are some people in this room today. You've got thoughts about people in this room. You've got thoughts, negative thoughts about God. You've got negative thoughts running through your mind sometimes. And listen to me. I've got news for you. If I don't know about them, God does. They sat there. And it says that he knew what they were thinking in their hearts. They kept it to themselves. Some of us right now, we're, we may be listening to this and, oh, yeah, this is my view on God, and I don't know if I believe what you're saying. Listen to me. God knows your heart right now. In another gospel version of this story, it says, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? And when you begin to entertain these thoughts, it says this. They began thinking to themselves, they said, Who is this? This is what they're thinking. Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Listen, when we begin to think these things, our perception of Jesus is begins to diminish. There is a veil. There is a veil over our eyes. And listen to me, I really believe we're moving into a season where God is moving by His Spirit. And people are going to begin to get touched in here. People are going to begin to get, the power of God is going to touch people in a new fresh way. Come on, we want that. But when it happens, and it begins to happen, some people are going to be thinking, sat there, this is not God. I don't like this. I've got something to tell you. We're not worried about what you think. Oh, but you should be. No, I'm not. Now, as leaders, we need to steward what God does. But I'm open to what He wants to do, not what you want Him to do. And if people have to say, well, I, I, don't, I don't like that, I'm going to have to leave. Listen, we want the real thing here, and we want God to move. And we've got to get rid of harboring thoughts in our heart of negativity. Some of you right now, you may be listen. You may be saying, I don't like this in the church. I don't like how they do that. Listen to me. You may not talk to me directly about what you don't like. But that doesn't matter to me. Because God knows your heart. Look, I, I can say that because I've thought negative things sometimes. And he knows my heart. He knows. Listen, he'll bring the plumb line. And he will check the motives of your heart. That's the thing you need to be worried about. And I want us as a church to be in, in unity in the bond of peace. In unity in one goal saying, God, we want you to move in this house. We want you because you are who you say you are. You can forgive sin. You can do this. And we want it because we're hungry for it. All together. Even if sometimes I don't like the way that's done. Look. Look. Style is one thing, the Spirit of God is another. I can tell you, I can take you to lots of places of style. I can take you to assemblies of God churches all over the UK. Some I wouldn't attend. Some I would, some I wouldn't, because they ain't my style. Find a church that is your style. If style's an issue, but style is not the thing we're looking for. The Spirit of God is. His God is. In the midst, see a negative thought develops a negative perception. Matthew 5 verse 8, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. They'll see God. That doesn't mean you're going to see him physically. You're going to recognize him through his spirit working. So, when you're pure in your heart, you'll begin to recognize it. Some of you are saying, Well, what you're saying, if I'm pure in heart, next week when I come on Sunday at the end of the worship, I'm going to see a, a, a manifestation of God. No, you're not going to see God physically, you're going to recognize God by His Spirit operating in the church. That's what it means when you're pure in your heart. And these Men, these Pharisees, these teachers, they weren't pure in their hearts. And we know that because he says you're entertaining evil thoughts. So he tries to address this issue because he realizes you've got a greater paralysis than the guy laid on the mat. You've got a bigger problem than he has. Why are you looking at the speck? Why are you looking at the problem? There's a huge plank in your eye and you've got a front row seat. Paralysis of the heart. Paralysis of our perception. Paralysis of we can't see God because we're not pure in our hearts. Hallelujah. Jesus wanted to bring these things to the surface. To bring them to the surface. That's what he wants to do in us. Today he's bringing it to the surface. He's saying, some of you right now, you know you've got negative stuff going on. Come on, it's time to get rid of it. You want to see a move of God? We've got to get our hearts right. We've got to get our hearts right before the Lord. You've got to get it out to the surface. Oh no, I don't like this kind of preaching. This is the kind of thing that's going to release a move of God. Because I can't change you. Only God can. And I want him to change me. So I need it as well. I went, the other day I took, I had a free trip to, I get a lot of freebies lately. My gym closed down, so I contacted another gym. I said, can I use your gym? I'd like to test it out. And went in and they had a sauna and a, and a steam room. And I took my boys the other day. And I said to them, I said, can my boys use the sauna? they said, well, it's at, at your own risk. I thought, they'll be fine. Come on, boys. So if some of you are thinking now he's, he's, he's a bad dad. I took him in just for five minutes we sat there. It was funny watching them. They go, dad, why is my nose burning? <laughs> I said, just stick with it, some persistence. <laughs> dad, my nose is burning. And uh, they just sat there quietly. And we, we were in this. And, and, and what someone told me the other day. In fact, the first time I went to the sauna the other day. I was in the sauna. I stayed in 30 minutes. 30 minutes solid. I Thought I was going to die. Do you know why I say in 30 minutes? Because all the way through the 30 minutes, I witnessed to someone and prayed for them in the sauna. Power of God touched him. And while I was in there, he says, Oh, I'm really used to this. I come all the time. Honestly, I got towards the end of my evangelizing and I was getting close to nearly passing out. And I felt like saying to him, I'm going to have to step out for five minutes and I'll finish off what I'm going to say to get a breath. But I thought if I do that, the whole thing's going going to fall apart. So I just carried on going. So I took my son back the other day and we we're in there and, and someone telling me the, the nature of how these things work. And, you know, if you're in a sauna, it brings out the impurities. And I realized something and the Lord spoke to me and said, son, as the fire of my spirit begins to burn, the presence begins to increase and the temperature increases in the church. What will happen is the impurities will be forced out of people. They'll be brought to the surface. And some people won't be able to stand in. They'll get out of the kitchen because they don't like the heat. Some people will say five minutes is enough for me. But son, you've got to keep pressing on through. Because the heat always brings out the impurities. And when the impurities are out, then we're free. <laughs> Come on. Who wants a spiritual sauna in this place? And I mean you keep your clothes on as well. We want the heat of his presence to be turned up. For the impurities of our hearts to come to the surface. The sauna's calling. It's alright, I forgive you. No offense taken. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to who... We must give an account. Let me tell you something today. He sees right into you. The very depths of your heart. In just the previous verse, in verse 12, it talks about God's word judging the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Nothing is hidden. Nothing. It's an x-ray vision. God has an x-ray vision on our hearts today. It tells us here in Hebrews 4... That we know that his word, when it challenges us, when the heat increases, it will reveal the attitudes of our heart. Hallelujah. Some are here right now and your heart is dry. You can speak about Jesus. You can tell me all you like about Jesus, but your heart is absolutely dried up. It's stone cold. You can't even remember the last time you felt the presence of God. Because you're so hard inside, but yet you know a lot of knowledge. Look, we don't need knowledge. We don't need pharisaical knowledge. We need an encounter with Jesus. Hallelujah. What you thought you could hide is actually paralyzing you. It paralyzes us. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says that we should take our thoughts captive to Christ. Can I say to you, take your thoughts captive in your heart to Christ before they take captive of you. Because you will paralyze you. Your own thoughts will paralyze you. They'll crush you. So take, when you get that thought, when they began to think... I don't know if I I like this. What that does is it grows. But if you take that thought and say, Lord, I, I make it obedient to you. I give it to you. It's not going to take captive over you. It's not going to put you in a paralysis prison of your thinking. Their deception paralyzed their perception of grace. That's what it was all about. There's absolute... Grace coming in this room. He's saying he can forgive sins. But their deception, the way they saw it, the way that their hearts disguised grace. I want to say to you, grace is flowing in this room. It's for everyone. And he loves every one of you so, so much. We should never doubt his word. Are you getting something from this today? Do you know, I want to just say this to you as well, because some of you right now on the element of grace and what God is speaking about you. and Sometimes the thoughts in our heart of this, it's not, it's not bad thoughts against people, but it's actually when, when we begin to doubt who God is and what he thinks about us. You know, they're like, they're looking and saying, you know, you're saying about his sins being forgiven. You're not that good, are you? Sometimes we think, is God that good that he let, he, he forgives me of the stuff I've done wrong? That he loves who I am right now? Some of you right now, you're, you're in a place of doubt. Your perception of God is paralyzed because you think that God can't love you. Because of what you've done or what, who you are. Or even sometimes you have a low self-esteem. You have a, a low view of yourself. Listen, there's, there's been humble, but sometimes... Do you know what? I just want to encourage you today... To start thinking high of yourself, not in a in a prideful way, but start to say, "Do you know what? God absolutely loves me." Because do you know what? My trying seasons and testing seasons start to crush me sometimes to the point where I thought, "God doesn't? Does God really like me?" I got something to say. La- last uh, Monday, when we had uh, School of His Presence with Eric Gilmore, I went to his hotel and I collected him. And, and as he got in the car, we drove through Arbury. We're driving through Arbury, And the first thing he says is he asked me to, to share a little word with him. So I do in the car. Then he turns around to me and says, because I've got two things to say to you. And I said, okay. And he shares these two prophetic words. He said, I've been praying for you this morning. And the Lord told me to tell you these two things. So he tells me these two things. And one of them that he said was quite a nice word. It wasn't directional. It's a nice word about what God thinks about me. How many of you know when we receive words like that, find it hard to believe? You know, we can, you can find it easier to believe that God's going to take you through, he's going to give you direction, but when God says something nice about you, you say, are you sure about that? I, honestly, I doubted what Eric Gilmore said. He might be a man of God, but I'm driving through Albury thinking, are you sure he got that right? And I'm not so sure that he likes me that much. And he said these things, and I'm like, I don't know if I, be- I, don't know if I really believe the extent of what you're saying, but it sounds good. I said, I'll, I'll, res, I'll shelve that one and I'll pray about it. When I get to the church and we do, we do the day, I don't know how many days later it was, three, four days. This week, the same week, I'm telling you, this is what God is doing in this season. Someone in this church sends me a message of encouragement and sends me a word. And now let me tell you, the word was verbatim nearly exactly the same as what he said to me in the car through Arbor. Exact. And I'm telling you, the detail in it was so unbelievable, I was shocked to the core. So much so, I actually messaged Eric Gilmore in a meeting and said, that what you said to me in Arbery in the car the other day, I've just had someone else send it to me. Check this out. What do you think? He said, that's exactly what I said to you. Listen to me. This is the same night as the revelation came to my sons. God spoke to me. Listen to me. God is beginning to speak. And some of you right now are doubting the the things that God is saying about you. His children. You've got to believe it. And I realized something. When I doubted it, he had to come again and tell me again. Because that's who he is. Don't be paralyzed in your thinking, your false thinking of Jesus. And finally... Number three, we can be paralyzed in our praise to God. You know, some of you, you've been coming to church and you can't even praise him anymore. It's interesting, we sung this morning about all the earth will shout your praise. We sung a lot about praising him. And I want to encourage you today, some of you right now, you're paralyzed in your praise. You can't lift your hands to Jesus and praise him anymore. You can't praise in the way you want to. But listen to me. I'm telling you. God wants to take that paralysis because it's not an illness you've got like that man on that mat. Some of you are paralyzed that you can't raise your hands. And if you do, it feels like a weight because you don't want to do it. And I'm telling you that our praise is breakthrough our praise will bring the breakthrough that God wants to see in our lives and i believe that this church we're going to see a season and this morning was amazing the worship as we broke through in his presence a church that is passionately on fire for Jesus praising Jesus hallelujah praising him a passionate house it says this in luke 5:25 when he stood up in front of them immediately stood up in front of them took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God hallelujah a minute ago he was, he was being carried in and all the people were insulting and then they were on the roof and they're trying to get him through he's had a tough morning getting to church the next minute he's praising God because listen when God starts to move we shouldn't let our praises freeze We shouldn't let our prayers be paralyzed. We should say, God, I realize what you're doing and my situation may not be changed right now. But I'm praising God for his situation, for her situation. What we're doing is we're waiting. We're only going to praise God when I'm through the storm. But do you know what it says? It didn't say that he jumped up and and, and went home with a mat underneath his arm and, and started praising God. It says that all of them praise. Oh, but you don't understand. You might be getting a victory, but I ain't got a victory yet. Still digging the roof. Still digging the roof. But they looked and said, we praise as well. Everyone, it says, was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe. said, we've seen remarkable things today. Just for listen to this. Just four verses before they are erupting in praise. And they're singing, all the earth will shout your praise. And he walks out with his mat. And they're all praising God. Just four verses before Jesus was challenging them saying, you've got bad things in your heart. Listen to this. You've got to get this for a moment. Do you know what them Pharisees, what I love about this story is? We put put the Pharisees down a lot. We're always putting the Pharisees down. But let me tell you, God loves the Pharisees, doesn't he? Jesus loves the Pharisees just as much as he loves the man on the mat. Oh, we all, we all, oh, the Pharisees, they're terrible people. They're just so religious. But what happened is, in four verses, they changed their view. Because I don't know about you, but if I'd been in church and a prophet called me out and said, you've got a terrible, terrible attitude in your heart, JL. No, he hasn't really. I'm just using as illustration. You've got a terrible attitude in your heart. I sense that I can even know what you're thinking now. I tell you what, you put you wouldn't put your welcome card in the box. You'd be out of here like a flash. I'm not going to that church anymore. False prophets. I don't. I've like been challenged like that. You don't do that's rude. It's not the British way of doing it. You can't call people out. Jesus, listen, called them out in a meeting, rebuked them, challenged their hearts, because that's what the presence of God will do. And do you know what they did? They stuck around. Same thing again. Look at this. The guys arrive, see the crowd, trying to get through the crowd. They can't get through. They can either turn and go home because of the problems and insults of people. Right now. They've been insulted by Jesus. They've been rebuked by Jesus. They have a choice. Do I go home? Do I, do I get out of the membership of this church? Or do I stay here? Because maybe if Jesus is challenging me, maybe something bigger is about to come. And so they stayed. And in four verses now, they're praising God. I mean, you, that, I, I've got to give it to the Pharisees. I, I don't know about you, but I want to be like one of them. Some of us are like, oh, I'm not like a Pharisee. I'm, I'm filled with the spirit of God. I'm born again. Look at me. Those Pharisees. Some of us need to be a bit more like those Pharisees. That can sit there, listen to the rebuke and stay and then praise God. That is what you call a move of God. When people are changed, not just people get healed and walk out, when the congregation, their hearts are transformed and changed, the elephant in the room got addressed. There's always an elephant in the room i 'll never forget years ago in my in my company I used to work in one morning, the boss he was so upset by something he said he came into the office and he said. I want to call a team meeting with everyone. I was in a marketing department. He says, call a team meeting. Everyone sit down here. We all sat down. He says, I've heard that some people have been saying some things about me, and I want you to all be honest and tell me everything, what you feel about me. Boy, oh boy. I mean, how brave he was. I said, can I go and get a coffee for this first? I sat down and and watched as I went around the room. People, they'd been given a license <laughs> to say whatever they want. I mean, I saw this man getting crushed. They, was, they thought, well, he's told us we can say it. So they, they were literally going around the room saying, well, actually, I don't like the way you do that, to be quite honest. It was awful. He's a good friend of mine. I thought, why on earth are you doing this? But the elephant in the room got dressed, and look, do, you know, do you know what happened? The rest of that day was awful. Do you know when people say you can cut the atmosphere with a knife? That's what it was like in our office. Everyone had like laid their thoughts bare and said everything about this man. And then the rest of the day was terrible. So you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. And can I say to you that when we don't deal with some of these issues, when we don't deal with the things like this and and, and like those Pharisees, they they released it and said, I'm going to just praise God and I'm going to accept what you say. Do you know what happens? There's an atmosphere, there's a paralyzed atmosphere that you could cut through with a knife. And listen, God wants to break that atmosphere so there's freedom in the house. So you don't have to cut the atmosphere with a knife when you walk in and see that person you thought looked at you funny. Oh, I don't like that person. The way they looked at me. Come on, let's stop it, people. Come on, stop it. People look at me all the time and I think, that was a bit funny, but get over it. Get over it. If they don't like you, they don't like you. Go and find someone else who likes you. It's true. We're people at the end of the day. And so, you know, I'm not worried about whether I've got, someone's got a problem with me. I'm just going to be me and I'm going to try and be the best me I can be in reflection of Jesus. And if they don't like that, then sorry. But come on, we don't want atmospheres that you can cut through with a knife. We, want, we don't want paralyzed atmospheres. We want the freedom, the liberty of God. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Hallelujah. Some of you can't praise today. Come on, if the worship team can come back. Let's finish the day with that song. All the earth will shout your praise. Some of you are paralyzed in your worship. Come on, let's stand. You're paralyzed in your worship. You're paralyzed in your prayers. You're paralyzed in your hearts. Look, God, I believe as we begin to praise Him today, there's going to be a freedom that comes. We're not going to do a calling out today. I just feel to just, let's just finish with some praise. Let's finish with some praise. Hallelujah. Do you know in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas are in the prison. You call that a paralyzed moment. In the stocks, wounded, wounds all across their back. And it says this, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Listen, you don't have to see the victory to praise. You have to praise him to the victory. Oh, you're saying, I'm only going to praise and raise my hands when I see my victory. No, they praise with wounds. They worship with wounds on their back. They raise their hands. And listen to me, the paralysis of their prison changed. Because the doors, the paralyzed doors opened. The paralyzed chains that they had loosened. (laughs) Come on, we're going to worship the Lord now. And as we sing this song, all the earth will shout your praise. I want you to just begin to release and say, God, I come to you again, and I ask that you release me, my paralysis in my heart, my worship, that I would be free. Psalm 100 says this, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Hallelujah. Come on, when you enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. When we worship him in spirit and truth, there is freedom. Things are going to start to drop off. Some of you right now, you're going to begin to leap in your hearts again. You're going to begin to say it's time to stop being so negative about people. It's time to stop being like this. And I'm going to get off my mat and I'm going to walk home today and I'm going to praise my God. I'm going to praise my God. I'm going to take my mat home because my mat no longer is my paralysis. My problem is no longer my paralysis. When I get home, I'm going to praise him in the house with my wife. I'm going to praise him in the house with my husband. I'm going to praise him wherever I am because there's something to live for. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing that song. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church,